welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, October 17th, 2020. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in San Francisco, and we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone people, who are the ri- original hab- inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. And if you go to weeklyrev.wordpress.com and click on our land acknowledgement tab, you'll find more information there, including history of the land, places to donate, um, offer uh, mutual aid, as well as a thread of native news outlets and lots more information. So again, please go to weeklyrev.wordpress.com and click on the land acknowledgement tab for much more information. Whew, uh, quite a week as per usual. Through the next two hours, we'll be going through some news stories, playing some speakers who were at the No on 22 rally outside Uber headquarters yesterday, which was really incredible. Folks came up all the way from San Diego and all throughout California. A lot of really uh, passionate speakers and folks who came through, and it was just a beautiful show of solidarity from drivers and folks who support gig workers who are fighting against this awful bill Again, no on 22, and for more information on that, also, folks, uh, please do check out the show we recorded on October 2nd, 2020. There's a link to it on our page as well, and we spoke with uh, three different drivers who shared their experiences driving for Lyft and or Uber and how these greedy companies really are just putting in so much money to make even more money from the workers, and there are a lot of folks who have been working countless hours for these companies and cannot even afford housing and health care. And this bill, these companies have put in millions of dollars and that that, that money could have gone to actually provide health care for their workers and living wages for these workers. And instead, they're trying to write legislature that will help the, the folks at the top get even more money. It's really disgusting. And uh, Thankfully, there's a lot of folks organizing around getting folks to vote no on Prop 22. And it's hard because these companies have put in so much money. Like, they've put in money for these commercials that just spout lies. And it's it's hard to push back against these uh, Goliaths with, with, with so much money. Yet, uh, folks are doing it. So, just wanting to send a lot of love and solidarity to all the folks out there organizing. And we will be hearing from some folks later on in the program. Also, be sharing some news from around the world, uh, just again, this is a drop in the bucket of things that have made have found that I have found its way into uh, my Twitter account, email, and there's so much going on. And while it is discouraging that we are living in a time of late stage capitalism, which of course transforms into fascism, and there's the climate disaster that's happening around the world, and we've got these greedy-ass capitalists at the top, and we've got politicians who are fucking feckless and awful. It's, it's discouraging. It's discouraging. We've got folks who are still incarcerated, who should not be incarcerated. There's uh, COVID-19 is still spreading. Woo! That was quite a sound effect. There's a lot to feel hopeless about. There's like... Uh, evictions, there's folks in poverty, the aid has stopped from the government, There's, uh, which wasn't even enough in the first place for many folks. There's a lot of things to be depressed about. However, positive note, there are folks who have been organizing all around the world and protesting, and that's what we'll be highlighting on the show as well as ways that folks can take action, and also just ways that folks have persevered 
through rent strikes and a lot of other actions. And uh, it's important to remember that there are lots of ways to, to show up in the world, and absolutely every single person can show up in one way or another, and there's multiple ways to do that. If you can't make it out into the streets, you can donate. You can help spread the word. You can have conversations with folks who are open to receiving new information. You can put pressure on uh, these elected leaders to actually do things for people. There's trainings that are happening in teach-ins, and there's just ways to learn about uh, the history of labor movements of the past. There's so much, there's so many different ways to enrich our lives and to um, help others and to continue to do that. And hopefully that's what we'll be doing here today, as well as most days. And also a reminder to, to take breaks for those of us who are constantly <sighs> working. And it's, it's, it's difficult because there's so much that's been going on since before any of us even were born. Systems that have been in place and uh, it's really difficult. How do you stop militarization and the brainwashing that goes on along with that and the lies that <sighs> have been taught here and to make folks feel like we're not enough and we don't do enough and we are not enough and for somehow, somehow our productivity and our labor is tied to our self-worth, which is absolutely a lie. Because there's some people who might work uh, at a weapons manufacturer uh, so they're working, but they're causing harm. People might be prison guards causing harm. So you can be working, and the way you're spending your hours, just because you're making money doesn't mean you're contributing to society in a positive way. So I wanted to state that. And then there's plenty of folks in Congress, too, who are just... I'm not one for spitting, but I feel like I would spit if I was going to spit in the studio, which I will not spit in the studio, but that's that's my feeling right now about a lot of folks. <sighs> okay. Whew. Gonna take a deep breath. We're gonna go into a few news stories. And as always on the show, play some music. Start off with Something's Gotta Give by Ella Fitzgerald. Following that was Video Game by Sushan Stevens. If you have any musical requests, please feel free to get in touch. Our phone number, 415-550-0511. And also follow me on Twitter. I just Mostly share articles on there, at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. -E and uh, with that, I feel like I have some more rants in me coming. Yes, here they are. So the idiot fucking Proud Boys are going to be supposed to be in Dolores Park again tomorrow, and folks have been organizing to counter-protest, and it's they've been doing this for years. They've been coming to cities around the country, and they often get protection from the police, which is just disgusting. And had the police not been pr protecting them in previous times, uh, they, they would not be coming back, that's for sure. And it's not to say that they don't, folks like that don't already live in this city, because they do. But uh, there's constantly a connection between the far-right vigilante groups and uh, police forces who protect them. So someone on Nextdoor was posting about it. And uh, if you've heard my show before and or if you talk to me in person, you know that I'm, uh, I have a lot of feelings about Nextdoor. <laughs> It's just like, why do I suffer by, uh, I don't really post on there, but I do read other people's posts, and it's very much this, oh, I just, oh, it's, it's rough. That's not very descriptive, but it's just rough, if you know what I mean. And so folks were like, how do we handle the Proud Boys, as if folks haven't already been, you know, organizing for years against them. And it's like, the thing is that they, they do this to, so they can um, try to recruit. And every time they come into town, they end up attacking people. 
there's always connected uh, an increase of, of attacks on non-white folks and trans and queer folks and unhoused folks when these fuckers come to town and get together. And so someone was saying, oh, we should ignore them because, and I'm like, uh, and it's like, do I have the energy? And I get that. I want to go beyond my, uh, I recognize that there's always a time to learn and to teach people and there's like plenty that I don't know and I want to be open about that and like, oh, this could be a teaching moment where I can say, um, well, here's some information about previous years and just about history where if you ignore fascist forces, uh, they just continue to increase. You have to like push back against them. It's just history. History says this. You cannot ignore folks who come into town to cause trouble. You can't. I mean, you can. It's just the results are not good, and a lot of people will be hurt. <sighs> so I'm trying to, you know, push myself to uh, what to do with this this anger and this uh, frustration, and or I have to use it as a teaching moment to be like, okay, listen, here's some here's some information here. It's up to you whether or not you want to read it or believe it. But uh, it doesn't do me any good personally just to sit here and rant about it. But I did want to get it out of my body because it's – I think that's what's so frustrating about so much of what's happening is that we're just seeing this – the colonialism like even more so. I mean it's always been here in this country, and I think a lot of us, myself included, were not always aware of it because it didn't affect us personally. And also just not being taught about it so much or being taught about it in a really whitewashed way. And now we're really seeing it, um, I shouldn't say really, um, many of us, myself included, um, who have been sheltered from it for a long time are really seeing it. I keep on saying really, but it's just more, I think, uh, overt for the majority of the population where in the past it's been, um, other folks have had to really bear the brunt of it. And so now we're seeing it, and that's why I think folks are like, oh my gosh, now we really have to vote. And I think it's really about uh, direct action. I think that does a lot more good based on history than simply voting. And of course you can do both. Do both by all means. That reminds me of a video that we'll be playing a little bit later on. I might be sticking around a little bit later. It's a Stolen Anarchy Playing Indian and the Roots of Collectivism. That's a YouTube video. It's about 46 minutes. So uh, my goal is to get to that after I share some other news stories here. Uh, I'll start off by I haven't fully created a list. Oh, I have a, I have a list here. Sometimes there's a great segue, like, oh, we're talking about this subject and then that. But now I'm going to go in and through a lot of different sources here. Oh, I got up really early this morning, but uh, I'm here. Okay. First up, and not first up, Amazon vans burned in solidarity with Terra Incognita in Liebig 34 in Berlin. This was published on October 10th, 2020, and this is published by amwenglish.com. Uh, here's a bit of information. No matter which color a government has and which territory it controls, they begin to clear a few spaces in the cities which grew in the hope of another life. Squats in non-commercial areas, which try to exist against state violence and the racist mood in society, come under pressure. By supporting the international call of Terra Incognita, who got recently evicted in Thessaloniki, Greece, for an action month in October and the decision to choose ourselves when to act in order to defend Liebig 34, 
and not wait until the state's agenda decides when to evict one of our ventures. On the morning of October 6th, we set fire. We set on fire two vans of Amazon in Berlin, Nikolin. Uh, as a message of solidarity with Liebig 34, Terra Incognita, and other collectives who support their calls. Amazon is a winner of Corona because they deliver more when people stay at home. They deliver with inhuman con conditions to their workers. They collect every kind of data we to sell it to other capitalist institutions. They share this data with police and establish more surveillance. Amazon is changing cities. Ugh. In Berlin, Friedrichshain, uh, where Liebig 34 has to leave, they built a huge tower, more offices, more expansive flats for their employer employees, uh, more upgrading of their neighborhood. And that's why Amazon received already many blows in Berlin and also in the US. Uh, we stand in solidarity with the comrades of Terra Incognita and support their decision to keep the collective and continue fighting against the state, the capital, and our oppressors. Every eviction has its price and we will not remain silent in the face of these continuous states attacks uh, of this coordinated repression operations all over the world and our ventures and on the people of the struggle. They may take our houses, but the knights belong to small groups and their will to sabotage the power, destroy the city of the rich and attack the state's infrastructures before and after every day. X. Defend Liebig 34 and Terra Incognita. And they say support the international call on October 30th to November 1st. And it was signed, Some Anarchists. Cool. So again, you can find some more information by going to amwenglish.com and also athens.indymedia.org. They have some photos here of some burning Amazon vans. That's uh, one story to get, get us started here. And I do want to have some type of order that makes uh, some sense here. Uh, we'll see. It's all, everything is connected though, of course. This is from Barnard. And this is an upcoming online event. So I'm all about teachings, and there's so much to learn. Oh my goodness. I know I, t I talk a lot on this show, because I guess it's radio, so that's, a, that's the uh, format here. But a lot of it's just wanting to educate myself and share information with all you listeners out there. So this is an event that's happening on November 12th. I know that seems like a long time away, but given time these days, I'm sure it'll show up in, in no time at all. This is called We Keep Each Other Safe. Mutual Aid for Survival and Solidarity. And this will be hosted by Dean Spade, Mariam Kaba, and Ezra Stixon. And it's, again, November 20th at 7 p.m. It's an online event. I'm guessing it's Eastern time. I'll read a little bit about this here. And it's, you can find more information at vcrw.barnard.edu. Dean Spade's new book, Mutual Aid, Building Solidarity During the, This Crisis and the Next, offers both a theoretical understanding of mutual aid and practicing tools for sustaining this crucial moment uh, crucial movement work. Spade defines mutual aid as collective coordination to meet each other's needs, usually from an awareness that the systems we have in place are not going to meet them. Those systems, in fact, have often created the crisis. Spade explores how mutual aid projects have been part of every powerful social movement, citing examples such as the Montgomery bus boycott in the 1950s, the Black Panther Party's survival program that provided free breakfasts and medical clinics in the 1960s and 70s, and the resource and skill sharing that emerged in the Occupy encampment starting in 2011. In the contemporary moment of the widening wealth gap, a global pandemic, increasing storms, fires, and other crises resulting from cl climate change, as well as myriad other social inequities, Spade demonstrates how and why mutual aid is essential for meeting people's needs and building big transformative movements that get to the root 
causes of these crises. Rather than numb out in the face of these overwhelming problems, Spade urges us to take up mutual aid work and to take part in the collective work of building the world we want. In my experience, it is more engagement that actually enlivens us, more curiosity, more willingness to see the harm that surrounds us and ask how we can relate to it differently, being more engaged with the complex and painful realities we face and with thoughtful, committed action alongside others for justice feels much better than numbing out or making token, self-consoling charity gestures. It feels good to let our values guide every part of our lives. That's uh, Nadine Spade. On November 12th, Spade will be joined by anti-violence organizers Maryam Kaba and Ezra Dixon to discuss mutual aid as an abolitionist project. Why is mutual aid key to practicing abolition? How does mutual aid relate to transformative justice and other anti-violence frameworks and practices? How can mutual aid help us to reimagine responding to harm and violence without relying on police? Mutual aid is a key part of building a world in which we keep each other safe, a world in which we build collectively to meet each other's needs. Join us on November 12th to celebrate, <coughs> excuse me, to celebrate the publication of mutual aid and for a conversation exploring its role in abolition, transformative justice, and addressing harm. Accessibility. Live captioning and ASL interpretation will be provided. Please email any additional access needs to e-k-a-u-s-c-h at barnard.edu. This event is free and open to all. Tune in at 7 p.m. on Thursday, November 12th, 2020. They also provide some related links. Let's listen to some right now. Um, this is one called Shit's Totally Fucked. What can we do? And here, get this all set up. And you can also find this available on uh, YouTube as well. us are overwhelmed, pissed, and scared. I don't want to wait till the next election. I don't want to just write my congressperson and hope that they'll do the right thing. I don't want to just post things to the vacuum of social media. I don't want to just make statements about things. I want to change how things are. There are a zillion things we can do, and people are coming up with new ones all the time. This video is going to focus on mutual aid projects, what they are, and why we should be developing them right now. Mutual aid projects are a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions, not just through symbolic acts or putting pressure on their representatives and government, but by actually building new social relations that are more survivable. During recent flooding and storms, we saw mutual aid in action as people helped each other survive. Mutual aid isn't just for those big weather disasters, it is also for the daily routine, life-threatening disasters of capitalism and white supremacy. People who are pissed about police and prisons are doing mutual aid work like creating prison letter writing projects, where people get connected to pen pals in prison to build relationships, help prepare for release, help prisoners have advocates on the outside, and help build a movement against policing in prisons that is informed and led by the people who know the very most about how the system actually works. 
Some people are creating jail support programs where people get together to make a schedule and agree to be outside their local jail on that schedule and greet anyone getting out and help them get what they need. Maybe a ride, clothes, a phone to call contacts, information about services or benefits. Some people are organizing community bail funds, revolving funds that can pay people's bail so that they are not locked up while they try to prepare for their defense. Money bail systems are one of the ways that poor people and people of color are given the worst chances in the criminal system. Court support projects are where people coordinate to accompany someone facing charges to their court dates, ideally by packing the court with supporters each time so that no one has to go alone, and sometimes to influence lawyers, judges, and jury by showing their support for the criminalized person. Some people are coordinating ride systems to help families visit prisoners who are being held in facilities far from home. In Oakland, the Oakland Power Projects are about strengthening people's skills to respond to community emergencies in ways that minimize police contact. When you call 911 for a health emergency, the cops come too, and that often leads to violence. The Oakland Power Projects is about training the community to respond to health emergencies, including mental health crises, chronic health problems, and acute health emergencies, so that people don't have to call 911. People who are scared about the emboldenment of ICE and Border Patrol and increasing deportations are doing things like forming rapid response networks where people warn each other about immigration raids and help each other hide, and helping immigrants do safety planning in case they get detained so that someone is ready to take care of their kids and elders. Some rapid response projects are even working on training people to show up and physically stop ICE from taking someone away. Imagine if we built that kind of power to stop arrests through rapid mobilization of a lot of people to outnumber cops. No More Deaths, an organization in Arizona, works to save the lives of people crossing the border by putting food, water, and supplies in the harsh desert areas where people who are crossing often die from the conditions. There are so many mutual aid project possibilities because there are so many intense ways people aren't having their needs met in the brutal systems we live under. Like food projects like Food Not Bombs, projects where people organize temporary housing for people coming out of prison or foster care by opening their homes to each other, Child care collectives where people watch each other's kids so they can go to political meetings, court, or jobs. Projects where people accompany vulnerable people, like trans people or people with disabilities, to medical appointments or public benefits offices and hearings. Projects where people make sure neighbors being pushed out by gentrification have good access to information about their housing rights and accompany each other to housing court, help people read documents and defend themselves from eviction. Projects where people protest landlords who are refusing to make repairs or give back security deposits by directly protesting at those landlords' houses and businesses. This is Roman here, and that was just a video called, um, ooh, it stopped for a second here. Shit's totally fucked, what can we do? And, uh, see if we can get back to it. And we're gonna take matters into our own hands and help each other survive right now, rather than expecting help from the same systems that have a clear history of causing harm. Mutual aid projects don't just help with the current disasters, they help us prepare for the ongoing disasters that are emerging because of climate chaos and crumbling infrastructure. When we build cooperative projects, practice making decisions together, share things, meet more people in our communities and learn about each other's skills and needs, and learn how current systems work and how they are not working, we're better prepared for the next storm, the next blackout, and the next budget cuts. Something really important about all this is that mutual aid is not charity. Charity is where rich people and institutions give tiny crumbs to poor people to make themselves look better. Usually there are a lot of strings attached to what they give, 
like giving only to mothers or only to children, only to sober people or only to people of faith. Charity rides on the idea that rich people or social workers should decide who is the deserving poor and who is the undeserving poor, and that rich people can put conditions on the housing or food or cash they give poor people. Charity blames poor people for poverty. Mutual aid blames the system for making people poor and says everyone deserves everything they need. Charity affirms the existing distribution of wealth and life chances. Mutual aid challenges it. Charity is top-down, mutual aid is horizontal. Charity is about control, hierarchy, and isolation. Mutual aid is about solidarity, liberation, and participation. People are scared and angry right now and trying to find ways to fight back and support each other. Building mutual aid projects is a way to plug people in, build shared understandings of current conditions, offer meaningful support to vulnerable people, and prepare for the coming disasters. Mutual aid work is not easy. It means forming lasting commitments to doing hard work, collaborating with people even when we have conflict, and facing the heart-wrenching realities of the systems we live under. It is also deeply satisfying work that transforms us from being exasperated, passive observers of the shitstorm we're living in to inspired builders of the new world we desperately crave and need. Stop believing in authority and start believing in each other. We're all we've got, we're all we need. Once more, this is the uh, nice preface for the uh, We Keep Each Other Safe Mutual Aid for Survival and Solidarity, which is an online event happening November 12, 2020. For more information, please go to bcrwbarnard.edu, and I'll also be sharing the link on the Weekly Review webpage, which you can find at uh, weeklyrev.wordpress.com. Next up, something positive? Really? Next up, see. Um, next up, we're going to play some music so I can uh, find this uh, link that we got here. We're going to play some more music, and then we'll be back with the show in, in just a bit. So please do stay tuned. Staring down the barrel of the last sun, shining with the sheen of a shotgun, but careless as the wind on a sunny sun. So where is your eyes when I'm gone? Hanging your jeans with the clothes spin, skin still wet, still skin, mango in your mouth, juice dripping, shoulder of your shirt sleeves slipping, Christmas Eve with my mother in the city. 
Welcome. Welcome back. Woo, okay. That was uh, Adrian Lenker with a song called Anything. Ah, nice and mellow. All right. I found the, it would be, I often think it'd be funny if there was a video camera here to just show the, the show what's going on here in the studio in a very big font. I have the article that I was looking for right in front of me. And here it is right now. I just find it humorous. I was like, I can't find it, I can't find it. But I guess maybe I just needed a music break. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald from Australia, where oftentimes, you know, we find uh, stories about the United States from other places. Uh, the wave, there, ahem, excuse me, wave of a, th I had a lot of coffee this morning. Wave of 1,000 strikes ripples across the U.S. as crisis bites. And this was written by Chris Zappone, and it came out on September 30th, 2020, and I also want to correct myself. I initially said it was, I've been thinking it was the 17th all day, but it's really October 16th. October 16th, 2020. All right. So this article was written September 30th, 2020. All right. A wave of more than 1,000 primarily unsanctioned, unsanctioned, <laughs> unsanctioned spontaneous strikes has rippled across the United States since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic fueled by worker safety fears. The Wildcat strikes have been further propelled by protests against racism following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May. About 260 walkouts, sick call-ins, and industrial actions were recorded between March 1st and May 31st, according to the U.S.-based Payday Report, which tracks the events. The numbers accelerated by another 750 between June and the beginning of September. Frustration with weak employee protections and low pay in the service industry has prompted staff to walk off the job in protest over safety amid the surge in coronavirus deaths. The death toll in the U.S. has vaulted over 200,000 to over 200,000 following a disjointed response overseen by fuckface. That's my words, not the article's words. Um, king fuck was well, not a king. Fuckface 45, whatever you want to call him, you know, he's a fuck. Okay. When often we often hear stories of outside organizers getting involved with a group of workers and prompting them to unionize or strike, said Dean Baker, senior economist at the, uh, they call it Left Leaning Center for Economic and Policy Research. I think it's interesting. Um, with this strike wave, the momentum is coming from the grassroots. Workers have decided that they have had enough and are prepared to press for change. Racial inequality is linked to concerns about coronavirus worker safety as COVID-19 has hit black and brown communities harder than white communities. And they have a picture here. I can't teach from a casket. Independent inspection now, which is a, it's a photo from a, the caption says, some New York teachers have been protesting against the return to in-person teaching, which they say has taken place without proper safety precautions during the pandemic. While black workers comprise 11.9% of all workers in the U.S., they make up 17% of frontline workers, forcing them to risk their lives, uh, for forcing them to risk their own and their family's health to earn a living, according to the Economic Policy Institute. And they keep on calling it left-leaning research. The industrial action has ranged from non-union workers at a meat processing plant and fast food restaurant workers to academics walking out of universities. In August, schools in Appomattox, Virginia, had to delay reopening as teachers called in sick in an apparent protest against the handling of the coronavirus outbreak. The same month, employees uh, of the Selma, Alabama Waterworks and Sewer called in sick after being promised a raise in lieu of, ha of the hazard pay for coronavirus work that other city departments received. Elsewhere, abattoir, abattoir, <laughs> abattoir workers walked off the job in Indiana. 
In September, fast food workers went on strike in Tampa, Florida, and Los Angeles, California. And they have another photo of a child, an eight-year-old, um, Audrey Reed, eight, holds up a sign during a rally in Los Angeles in July. Thousands of workers across the country walked off the job to protest against systemic racism and economic inequality, which they say has worsened during the coronavirus pandemic. As protests over the treatment of black Americans flared in the wake of Floyd's death, the motive for the unofficial strikes widened to include racial fairness. In June, unionized bus drivers refused to transport arrested BLM protesters in Boston. The same month, New Mexico State University teachers stopped for a day in a STEM and academic strike in sympathy with the BLM protests. University of Oklahoma graduate students this month called a strike to fight systemic racism. We want, a, we want a society that centers on freedom and justice instead of profit and punishment, the announcement from the organizing committee said. They also provide a, another photo here in the subject, uh, or the caption that says, Quinesha Smith holds a sign that says in Spanish, we demand $15 and a union as she protests outside the McDonald's in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The crowdfunded payday report, which covers labor news in the U.S., has also received a grant from the CEPR. The strike tracker is compiled from local media reports through the U.S. Some have been organized. Some have been organized strikes, such as one by nurses at a COVID-stricken rehab center near Pittsburgh, but most are spontaneous, says Mike Elk, the editor of the report. The figure is actually an underestimation of the total number of strikes, Elk says, since so many areas of the countries don't have labor reporting. So many areas of the country don't have labor reporting. In a sign of the extreme situation in the U.S., the strikes have surged even as jobless climbs, even as joblessness climbs because of the pandemic-triggered economic slowdown. Since the co coronavirus hit, 11.5 million workers have been put out of work, while many in the U.S.'s extensive service economy work in frontline roles exposed to the dangers of coronavirus. During the crisis, Americans have frequently faced the choice of doing work that exposes them and their family to coronavirus or losing their job. Baker says that the current wave of strikes follows an upswing in unofficial industrial uh, action in 2018, led largely by non-unionized teachers in states controlled by Republicans in a reaction to ever-worsening pay and conditions. Statewide public education strikes two years ago saw teachers fed up with low pay and chronic underfunding walk off the job and, in some cases, converge on their state capitol buildings in a show of dissent. These actions occurred in mainly Republican-led states such as Oklahoma, Arizona, and West Virginia. Many of these strikes were not organized by unions, but were rather led by an entirely ad hoc leadership group, said Baker. The strikes occurring against a backdrop of dissent in the Trump era come more than a more than a decade after the global financial crisis helped expose the extent of inequality in the U.S. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania-based labor economist Mark Price said they laid bare the poor pay and working conditions of a whole class of workers deemed essential in a pandemic from nursing home aides to meat packers to grocery workers. And they provide a map of the U.S. Um, caption, more than 1,000 mostly unofficial strikes have taken place in the U.S. as people walk off the job to campaign for safe work conditions and to protest against inequality and racism. Despite the scale of the protests, Price says he has a hard time seeing them as an inflection point for industrial relations in the U.S. I have seen no events that would make me believe that worker power is on the rise, he said. There is a lot of misery for sure, and that's the fuel for change, but the spark to light that misery into change hasn't been lit. 
Uh, he says there remains a lack of worker solidarity. We are divided society, and far too many workers are content to side with employers. Price says, however, that the broader trends of inequality and the spread of precarious work in the U.S. are unsustainable. It's hard to predict when those trends will break, he says. And again, this article is from the Sydney Morning Herald. You can find more at smh.com. It's written by Chris Zappone. And speaking of labor relations, I will have a segue right now. Um, I'm going to share some speakers from yesterday's rally of No on 22. That was in front of the Uber headquarters in San Francisco. And I'm just going to play a little bit here as we go. And we'll be back in a bit. So just imagine that you're in a crowded street full of hundreds of people. From next we have with us a supervisor of San Francisco. Okay, I'm actually not going to play the supervisors because even if they say some good things, uh, I'd rather hear from uh, drivers themselves. And uh, also there were a lot of speakers there, so here we go. The hardworking men deserve Okay, move forward a little bit here.
I just said, you know what, I'm going to show up and just sort of get the vibe of the event, get the vibe of everybody. And so the vibe that I see here is I see union members, I see workers, I see teachers, I see drivers, operators, I see janitor and hotel workers here. For any corporation to tell us that we are not workers, I'd say, how dare you? How dare you tell us that we are not workers? How dare you tell us that we are not fit to acquire something as simple and basic as healthcare, as affordable living wages? How dare you try and tell me that I'm not a worker working five, six, seven days a week, 10 hours a day, 70, 80 hours a week? How dare you? The one message that I would say to these corporations, if they ever try to shut this down our throats, is I would say, you know what? Pay attention now, you guys. Shut the front door, because you are not walking into the house of labor with that garbage. Make some noise, everybody, and let them know where we stand. between sleeping in our car 
few speakers from yesterday's uh, No on Prop 22 Whoop. rally, and uh, I just recorded most of it, um, so just uh, played selections there, a lot of great speakers. Um, again, this is only just a, a few folks who spoke yesterday. Then we're going to take a bit of a music break here, and uh, also for more information, please go to gigworkersrising.org. We drive prop redriveprogress.org, and also check out the show that we did on October 2nd. We have, I uh, spoke to a few different drivers as well who called in and shared a lot more information about just how Prop 22 is pretty fucking gross. 
Also, I was handed a flyer yesterday. Uh, Uber, not above the law. Prosecute. And there's uh, information about workers' comp fraud. So there's a press conference that's happening and a no prop at 22 rally Tuesday, October 27th at 11 a.m. at 3090 Pacific Avenue in San Francisco for information, the number 510-646-0690. Again, no prop 22. Another rally coming up Tuesday, October 27th at 11 a.m. at 3090 Pacific Avenue in San Francisco. I'm going to play some more music here. And then we'll be back with some more information. So please do stay tuned. Wasting that shit. 
right, and welcome back. That was a nice little music break. That was Michael Franti and Spearhead with uh, I Know I'm Not Alone. And before that, we heard Free by Big Audio Dynamite. And that song was a theme song for this movie called Flashback that came out in 1990 that I finally saw for the first time. It's on Hulu. Uh, definitely some stuff should not have been in the movie. Overall, though, um, I would say it's just uh, interesting. I was thinking about the article I just read that had the kept on commenting how the the group had a left-leaning organization and this i feel like was a left-leaning movie which is kind of rare so and also was partially filmed in san francisco back in 1989 and uh yeah interesting and uh talking about how for to be a remake what that would be like so i think it's interesting good soundtrack good cast okay for that we heard a new song from Stevie Wonder called Where Is Our Love Song? And it's featuring Gary Clark Jr. Got some more news here and also articles and things to learn from. Okay, so this is a workbook uh, called Turning Towards Each Other, a Conflict Workbook. And that's uh, the article that talks about it. It's called Embracing the Gifts of Conflict for Social Change. And this was written by Jovita uh, Ross and William Godbian. Find at turning toward each other .com. As a collective, we are living in unprecedented times. The triple pandemic of COVID 19, white supremacy, and capitalist driven climate crisis has intensified survival fears and made the structural oppression we are living under more palpable and unbearable. We're coming face to face with the fact of our inter interdependence, and the stakes are high. Either we as a species learn to live well with each other and the earth now or die trying. As so many wise souls are reminding us, our liberation is bound together and we need each other now more than ever. And we have a quote from Fannie Lou Hamer, nobody's free until everybody's free. To get free, we need ways to navigate the hard parts involved in working with others as we build a world rooted in interdependence, regeneration, and justice. So what do we do when we inevitably run into conflict? This was a question on our minds when we wrote our new conflict workbook for groups working toward a shared purpose, turning towards each other a conflict workbook. Here, and it brings us to, oh, cool. Um, it's available as a PDF. Very cool, very fucking awesome. Okay, so I'm gonna go back and read a bit about the, the summary here. Um, as two people who, whoops, as to people who come from community building and social movement backgrounds, we have seen and experienced dreams crumble because we, or people we love, couldn't find a way through a difficult interpersonal conflict with a comrade or a colleague. Hey, uh, we care deeply about our communities and the ways they've been harmed by structural oppression. We've put together turning towards each other because all the times we found ourselves in gut-wrenching, sometimes relationship-ending tangles with people we depended on. We believe deeply in people's transformative capacity to access our wholeness and create new worlds based in love. And we believe this is crucial to a future where we can all thrive. We compiled this workbook to offer exercises for self and group exploration to build our collective self-awareness, resource, and conflict resilience. By conflict, we mean disagreements and interpersonal tensions, not abuse and structural violence. Gaining skills that help us work through conflicts is not a substitute for transforming structures and repairing harms. Rather, being able to work through and resolve interpersonal tensions will increase our capacity to work together for the long haul. 
which we'll need to do to dismantle oppressive systems and create regenerative ones. Because we live in a world shaped by legacies of brutal colonization, enslavement, and heteropatriarchy, we must assume that these power structures are always present in us and our relationships. Whether or not we have formal power, we can enact subtle and gross forms of anti-blackness, white supremacy, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, classism, and other structural oppressions. When we avoid conflict or move, move through it carelessly, we end up acting out and reinforcing microversions of oppressive structural patterns unconsciously, even if we are from an identity harmed by those systems. This can end relationships, sidetrack organizations, and undermine social movements. Turning towards each other when in conflict may be a messy, sticky, uncomfortable process, but it is critical, unavoidable, and can yield many gifts, especially if held in a sense of mutual care and commitment to learning. Five gifts of turning toward conflict. One, conflict connects us to our values and needs. Conflict indicates that there has been a miss in meeting a core need. Our core needs, for example, belonging, autonomy, creative expression, are rooted in values, for example, uh, love, justice, liberation. Conflicts allow us to get familiar with our core needs and the ways we get activated when we experience them not being met. This pushes us to grow by taking responsibility for our needs and to come into deeper alignment with our values. Conflicts clarify strategy. Oftentimes, conflicts in groups are a result of unclear strategy, for instance, how a group meets its goals. Teasing out the strategic questions from the interpersonal tensions can help clarify that the disagreement is really about, or dis can help clarify what the disagreement is really about and allow a group to more deeply align on the how. Three, conflict surfaces assumptions. Conflict surface outdated assumptions in how we relate to each other, why we want to do our change work, and what we think the best way to get there is. When these assumptions haven't been challenged, we can often be operating within the status quo, for instance, structural oppression on autopilot. When we surface, name, and update assumptions, insights abound. Conflict heals. Conflict shines a light on past hurts and traumas, structural and interpersonal, on our neglected parts that are most afraid and most in need of love. If held in the context of mutual care and growth, conflict offers these neglected parts a new context in which to experience being met with care and love. Such experiences can be deeply healing and liberating. Five, conflict strengthens relationships. When we take the risk to reveal our needs and uncomfortable truths and navigate challenges together, we build intimacy and trust. Turning toward each other through conflict heals and brings us to the relationships we need to actually get to the world we want to live in. For more strategies and practices on how to turn towards each other during conflict and build to build the world that we need, Check out the workbook, they have a link here too, and their upcoming workshop series. We hope this is a liberating resource for you. Jovita and Wayam. And uh, Jovita Ross works with Real Food, Real Stories, Seeding Culture Towards a Caring, Regenerative, and Just Tomorrow. You can find more info at realfoodrealstories.org. And Wayam Gadbian is a Syrian community weaver, healer, medi uh, mediation instructor, and trans, excuse me, meditation instructor, and transformative facilitator. For more information, go to uh, weamhealing.com. That's W-E-Y-A-M-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. And I'll click on the link here for their upcoming workshop series to provide more information. And there's an event right uh, that's coming up. There's an event that's happening on Friday, October 30th from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. And this event, Turning Towards Each Other, Navigating Conflict for Social Change Agents, Part 1, Understanding Our Conflict Habits and Archetypes. Really interesting. Okay, so what I'm going to do, since this is an event right page and sometimes they have like long titles here, is I'm going to post a link 
to this page on our website, and you can find that again by going to weeklyrev.wordpress.com. And I'm actually going to do this right now as I am talking. I'm going to do my best to multitask. And let's see here. Title up here, as well as I'll also be providing a link to the article that I read from, which has a link to their workbook. So I think that's super helpful, and I was able to relate to a lot of that where I think about conflicts that I got into with friends of mine over the years. And uh, from my own experience, I can only speak for myself, like looking back on my behavior, and so much of it was acting out of a um, just needing uh, comfort and love, and also just experiencing a lot of hurt and not really knowing what to do with that hurt. And I think about that quite a lot, where we're often, as the article mentions, we're hurt through institutional oppression. And if we can't get our needs met, then who do we, how do we take our anger out? Like, who do we, um, how do we express that, I guess? And often we do hurt people that we love and folks who are close to us because they are in close proximity to us. and. You know, I think about over the years when uh, how many folks uh, have been hurt by cops, for instance, and how, or, and landlords and politicians, people in positions of power who can, through a variety of ways, can harm people. And we are on the receiving end of this harm, yet a lot of the times we're unable to fight back. Or we can fight back, but not quite directly at the folks who have caused harm. So I think about that quite a lot. All right, so I've provided the link here, and I'll be posting this uh, around 2 o'clock when the show wraps up, so I did want to share that information. Next up, uh, another, oh wait, and that was, I believe, shared by APTP, so thank you, APTP, for sharing that. Um, let's take a look. Oh, this is something else, actually. This was, um, I believe, shared on Twitter. So. APTB has shared um, a Joint Terrorism Task Force UJTTF Out of Oakland Toolkit. And um, it's a Google Doc, so it's a, it's a long doc. So I'll also be sharing this information on the Weekly Review webpage. So anti-JTTF, the campaign goal. The goal is to end the partnership between the Oakland Police Department and the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. The Oakland Public Safety Committee is taking this vote on October 13th, so it already happened. And the City Council is voting on October 20th. That has not happened yet. Overview of the Oakland JTTF. I don't know too much about this. A Joint Terrorism Task Force is an FBI program in which the FBI takes local police officers and cross-deputizes them as FBI agents. This, ugh, this gives local police officers working in the JTTF the same powers that an FBI agent has. This also means that local police officers working in the JTTF are bound by the rules that regular FBI agents follow. The Oakland Police Department, OPD, is a part of the San Francisco Bay Area JTTF and has one officer assigned to it. In 2017, grassroots and civil rights organizations, along with community support, passed a transparency ordinance in Oakland that requires OPD to follow local and state laws and policies when participating in the JTTF and to submit an annual report on such activities to the city council for oversight purposes. However, three years after the ordinance was passed, it is clear that accountability and transparency are not enough. Withdrawal from the JTTF is the only option. OPD, OPD, excuse me, OPD has shown that they cannot always follow local laws. <coughs> excuse me. OPD has been part of the JTTF since 2007, but in violation of city law, never got their contract approved by the full city council in violation of the transparency ordinance. 
They still have not submitted their 2018 and 2019 annual reports to the city council. And in May, during the George Floyd protests, they fired tear gas and other hazardous weapons into a crowd of young protesters before the city-enacted curfew went into effect. The JTTF partnership is problematic for several reasons. One, by tapping into the local police force, the JTTF partnership increases the on-the-ground force and local, excuse me, local knowledge available to the FBI to harass communities of color, especially black, Arab, Muslim, and immigrant communities. Two, even with transparency and accountability measures in place, the partnership makes it hard to hold OPD officers participating in the JTTF accountable to the local community. The FBI dictates a lot of what OPD can do and cannot share, can and cannot share with the public and elected officials. Three, by participating in the JTTF, OPD may be violating the city's sanctuary laws, which do not allow any city employee to share the immigration status of any individual with ICE. However, ICE is a prominent federal partner in the JTTF and has access to the information uploaded by the JTTF, including people's immigration status. Moreover, the FBI and the JTTF are increasingly misusing their authority to stifle First Amendment protected activity and targeting protesters under the pre pretense of protecting national security. They also provide several links here, and they're targeting the Oakland City Council members to urge them to end the relationship between the FBI and OPD, including uh, com Council Member Noel Gallo, Council Member Lauren Taylor, Council Member Nikki uh, Fortunato Bass, and Councilmember Rebecca Kaplan, as well as several other folks as well, and general social media assets, Twitter, the FBI and the JTTF are increasingly misusing their authority to stifle First Amendment protected activity and targeting protesters under the pretense of protecting national security. You can take action to end this dangerous partnership, and they have a, uh, it's bit.ly forward slash no OPD in JTTF. Hashtag no OPD in JTTF. Hashtag NJTTF. Um, there's a threaded tweet about Oakland PD being part of the JTTF as well. And more information about um, for the Oakland City Council vote, for folks you can tag in there, as well as public safety committee vote. And then information on Facebook as well and Instagram. And they also have some graphics that folks can print out as well as action alerts. So... There's a lot of information here, and again, it's a Google Doc, so there's a lot. It's a toolkit. There's a lot of information. So what I'm going to do, as I am going to hold myself accountable to this, is uh, um, I'm going to copy and paste this link to our weekly review web page. Again, weeklyrev.wordpress.com. I'm continuing to promote it. Yay, promote it. Um, I know that there's so much information that goes on in this show. I feel pretty... Uh, exhausted after we do the show on Fridays and again I mean I do feel rejuvenated and also it's a lot of information and I'm merely a, a, a witness I'm merely someone who's communicating this so just there's I also just want to speak that there's so much I, I don't even have the language for the energy that's going on in the world right now and how much energy is and effort is being used by so many people to just create a better world for people and while it can be invigorating, it also is just, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I will be copy and paste, talking myself through this here. Uh, sure it gets done. So as soon as the show's over, folks can hop along and uh, find more info and also just to share the info. So this will be included on today's post. Great.
All right, I'm gonna take a bit of a a break because I was I've been reading a lot, talking a lot. So I'm gonna play another song here that we have. Oh wait, let's get to today's playlist. Also, if you like the music, uh, I create playlists every week now on Spotify, so you can listen to the playlist there. That's nice. Uh, you can find me on there, Robin Reimer, and there's also links on our our website to each day's playlist. Here's a song from Run the Jewels, and we'll be back in a bit. Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from swallows. Like, mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholars. Like, mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a follow. Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters. Any time I'm on mine, I be minding mine. Every time on my grind, I'm just trying to shine. Make a dollar government, they want a dozen dimes. The pity kind might kill you because they see you shine. I just had to have a talk with myself any time. Am I a hypocrite because I know I did plenty crime. I get broke too many times, I might slang some pines. You believe corporations running marijuana Masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, get it? Look at all these slave masters. Man, you better thug out, get the bag and the bug out. Uh, try to run home, you might run your luck out. Cause just when your face is loaded, they'll roll a grenade in the dugout. Earthboat, not a mellow bunch. We got a thumbs in the air like hella bust. Uh, look at who we done blessed with our trust. I don't think we'll be left with too much. Hand on my heart, on my mind, on my drugs. Got a butter gut punch for your atlas shrug. It's love or not love, it's just that dumb. Lord, sweet Buddha, please make me numb. Rain bounce off walls like a city in Roomba. Just found out it's created stupid. Lit by the super moon or too lucid. Plus, got truths in the blood, I'm booming. BB, Richie, this is New York City. Next on the map with a penny keep in it. Just took thugs here shitting. We're murderous choco cops still earning a living. Funny how some say money don't matter. That's rich now, isn't it? Get it? Comedy. Try to sell pack. Supposed to get food, get killed. It's not an anomaly.
here to rev up the show. That's some L7 with Broomstick from their Live in Concert album. And uh, Detroit Live is the name of the album. And before that, live version from Van Halen of Right Now. Before that, Run the Jewels with Pharrell uh, and Zachary Mocha with uh, Just. Okay. So got a couple more stories here. This is some headlines. <clears throat> and this is uh, seniors at San Francisco's Midtown Park apartments prevail in longest standing rent strike against a city. There's some more information on cbslocal.com. Dean Preston, who folks in District 5 should vote for, uh, shared that information. And also uh, Thai pro-democracy protesters clashed with royalists uh, as rival rallies collided in Bangkok. The youth-led mov movement is demanding a new constitution uh, and monarchy reform. And there was a link on Twitter here that I've uh, retweeted. And this was shared by Alphonse Lopez-Tenya. And that's, uh, you can follow Alphonse at, at A-L-F-O-N-S-L-O-P-E-Z-T-E-N-A. -E -E and I provide uh, footage as well. And what else got here? Oh, yes, in Canada, the... Mi'kmaq people in Canada are literally under attack for exercising their constitutional right to fish under treaty law. The right was upheld by Canada's highest court, yet the Canadian government remains silent and allows the settler violence to continue. There's a video here uh, from Ruth Hopkins, uh, who I follow. Um, uh, Ruth is a Dakota, Lakota Sioux writer, biologist, and tribal attorney, and retired judge. And you can follow Ruth at Ruth underscore H-H-O-P-I-K-I-N-S. That's Ruth underscore H-H-O-P-K-I-N-S. And there's video from Toronto Today. Um, exclusive, this was from October 14th. Uh, racist, anti-masker, white supremacist assault uh, Mi'kmaq chief and an indigenous woman during an ongoing ambush. So again, this fucking disgusting behavior happening in Canada as well as the U.S. playing um, video around 2 o'clock. Um, yeah, just lots of O's and ums. There's just a lot going on here, and we're coming up to the end of the program. There's more I wanted to get to, and as per usual, there's only so much one can uh, fit in in this time. So I did want to share this upcoming event here, it looks like, from Bay Resistance. One moment here as I get this up, and I think this might be the last uh, news story we hear before closing up the show with some more music. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. You can donate to Mutiny Radio if you go to mutinyradio.fm. More information there. There's a GoFundMe as well. And also, if you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, that would be super greatly appreciated. Um, I, you know, volunteer my time and energy to do this, and uh, I think it's necessary. And also, folks are able to donate to help. Um, cover the dues of the show and time that would be super gratefully grace i've lost my train of thought but just 
Ugh, I'm a little bit all over the place here. It's just a lot. A lot to take in, a lot to talk about. So, let's see if I can... Oh, goodness gracious. And perhaps you can hear the... Uh, the um, noise outside. There's so much. Did I get to the, uh, perhaps I didn't get to this. Okay, so this Saturday, a forum on voter protection and election defense that's being put on by the National Lawyers Guild of San Francisco, the Bay Area chapter. You can register now at bit.ly forward slash 2020 election forum. And that's October 17th, which is tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific time, a forum on voter protection and election defense. I'll provide a link to this over on the uh, good old webpage. Again, weeklyrev.wordpress.com. Also, our Patreon's at patreon.com forward slash weeklyrev. You can also find that through our webpage. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm totally spent. And I will, uh, yeah, I'm going to see if I can play the uh, this video starting around 2 p.m., which you can find at um, the women's magazine slot. is still open here at the studio, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. So you can find that by going to... Um, mutinyradio.fm and archives and I'll see if I can post a link to that on our page as well. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Thanks to all the folks whose work I share here on the show and uh, <clears throat> here's some more music. This is from Tadra Call. There's a Tadra Call documentary on Netflix I believe that was pretty cool so I recommend folks check that out. So have a great week everyone and we'll be back next week. Gonna sell me lies, best recognize real quick, bitch. You've got the wrong bitch, bitch. You've got the wrong bitch. You've got the wrong, wrong bitch. If you think you gonna standardize my name, you done lost your mind, ain't got time for all these games, bitch. You've got the wrong bitch, bitch. You've got the wrong bitch. You've got the wrong, wrong bitch. Cause I bite my tongue for no wizard. I bite with fire in a snow blizzard. I tell that. Sitting down, we got cold lizards like it's with business. That's a silent eye, and I'll be silent the day I see more fucking monkeys fly. They flying, y'all. Now, if you think that this witch won't expose the fact that five O's dropping houses on hoes, bitch, you got the wrong bitch, bitch, you got the wrong bitch, you got the wrong, wrong.
you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday 